Welcome to Next on the Tee with Chris Mascaro, where tour players, legends, and the top instructors in the game share their stories, insights, and playing lessons. Join Chris every Tuesday night as he talks with the greats of the game. Tonight's show is sponsored by TaylorMade Golf, the PGA Tour Superstore, Two Under, Golf Pride, Strixon Cleveland Golf, your best performance Starts with the right golf ball, Sun Mountain Golf Bags, Finn Scooters, making the game more fun, Idel Golf, Hit It, Flip It, Dial It In, and the Mecklemore Club Experience, Live Above the Clouds. Now, here's your host, Chris Mascaro. Good evening, folks, and thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of Next on the Tee. I'm your host, Chris Mascaro, and tonight I've got three great guests that I'm excited to share with you. I've got a resident director of instruction. I've got the VP of product development for the PGA Tour, plus the wife and caddy of a major champion. We'll talk about who all those folks are in just a moment. But before I do, I want to thank all of you. For keeping the show inside the top five in the podcast magazine Hot 50 list for the month of September. I really appreciate your votes and all of your wonderful support. Next on the T is currently ranked number two in our football show Thursday Night Tailgate, just right behind it at number five. Our goal, obviously, is to leapfrog both shows into the top two spots. So please continue to vote and you can do so daily by going online to podcastmagazine.com forward slash hot 50. Your votes or why we're near the top, and why we're going to make it all the way to the top. Thank you for taking a moment out of your day to support both shows. It means a great deal to me. Okay, on to tonight's show. First up is going to be our resident director of instruction, Tom Patrick. Tonight, I'm going to get TP's thoughts on some of the all-time great swings. So who are some of the great players that had pretty swings? We'll hear what Tom thinks about that. Plus, how to fix it if someone who has got an unconventional swing, right? We hear about all the time, swing your swing. If we've got an unconventional one and we start to struggle, how do you fix it? Plus, I'll get Tom's thoughts on Scotty Scheffler being named Player of the Year. Plus, a playing lesson or two we have time as well. Looking forward to having TP back as part of the show. He'll join me here in just a few minutes. Following him, I'm going to get a return visit from Allison Fillmore. Allison is the VP of Product Development for the PGA Tour. We'll hear about some of the exciting things she's out there working on, plus what it was like for her when she came back to Atlanta recently to Eastlake to be specific for the Tour Championship. Allison used to be the director of that tournament. I imagine it was like coming back to an old house after you've moved out and the new owners have come in, painted and changed some things. Kind of feels a little weird, maybe? We'll hear what it was like for her and a whole lot more when she joins me again about 25 minutes from now. And then we're going to round out tonight's show with a visit from Brenda Kalkovecchia, Mark's wife, but not only wife, but caddy and much funnier half. We're here stories about how they met, why she decided to take over the bag and become Miss Caddy, plus their life RVing from tournament to tournament, something I'm trying to convince my wife we should do in retirement. Looking forward to having Brenda as part of the show. She'll join me a little bit later on in the hour. So there you have it, folks. More great stories, tips, and information are coming your way tonight on this edition of Next on the T. And as always, thank you so much for tuning in and taking the journey with me tonight. Before we get started, you know I like to remind you about our friends up at the McLemore. My buddies and I were there again this year for our annual golf trip, and it was even better the second time around. Everything about what they have up there, folks, is first class, 
The accommodations are fantastic. Practice facility is great. The on-premise restaurant called The Craig has outstanding food and service. And to say the course is spectacular is a huge understatement. Can't say enough great things about it, folks. Go online to themaclemore.com to see how spectacular it is for yourself. The course is co-designed by our good friends Bill Bergen and Reese Jones and our friend and PGA Tour caddy Kip Henley said, outside of Pebble Beach, it's the most beautiful 18th hole he's ever seen. And Golf Digest agreed, oh, by the way, naming it the best finishing hole in America since 2000. And then Lynx Magazine doubled down on that, naming it one of the top 10 finishing holes in all of golf. See why we're all saying such great things about the place by going online to themaclemore.com. I also want to remind you about our friends over at TaylorMade. Golf is an interesting game because the better you hit the ball, the fewer shots you have to hit. That means the better you hit the ball, the less golf you actually have to play. That's why TaylorMade made their all-new Stealth Irons. TaylorMade Stealth Irons feature a catback design and a 3D toe wrap designed to help deliver increased distance through the bag and more forgiveness on those occasional, or you know, not so occasional, less than perfect shots. The result, better shots more often, so you get to have more fun more often. So if you're the kind of golfer who wants to play less golf more often, try the all-new Stealth Irons from TaylorMade, Beyond Driven. Okay, now back with me, just like he is every other week, is our resident director of instruction, Tom Patry. Tom will soon be making the transition back to his home base in Naples, Florida. So if you want the best in the game to help you with your golf swing, download the V1 video app and send Tom videos of your swing through that app. Please check out his website, TomPatry.com, and give him a follow on Twitter and Instagram at TomPatryGolf. Don't forget, subscribe to his YouTube channel, folks, where you can watch over 300 free video lessons. Tom is also a member of the Titleist Leadership Advisory Board. And it's always great when he's back with me here on Next on the T. Hey, TP, how are you, my friend? Pretty boy. What's up, my man? <laughs> how are you, TP? How's things going? This year, I'm sitting on the front porch at the Pinecrest Inn, opened in 1913 and later purchased by the great Donald Ross, who owned it for quite a while. A real historical place in Pinehurst, North Carolina, down here with uh, six members and another professional from Farmington playing a little golf, playing at Mid Pines, playing Pine Needles, Mid Pines, and Southern Pines, and I'm doing just fine. No doubt you are. Pine Needles? Wow. Good for you, my friend. Really beautiful. Just beautiful. Tom, I, I read that the last time you were down there around Pinehurst, you were, you were 11 years old, and you also had an interaction with Julius Boros. Tell us that story. Well, it wasn't my last. It wasn't my last time down here, but it was my first time. Uh, a family friend who actually influenced me to play golf. Uh, he was a dentist and a family friend. Put me in a Jeep Woody and drove me from New York on my first golf trip, and we stayed at Mid Pines. And I was, you know, 11 years old. I was, I was pumped, and uh, I had this nice home putter that you'd see in like kind of a cheap rental set. I thought it was the greatest putter in the world, and this. This friend of the family decided they needed to really, you know, to have a really legitimate putter. And I, I couldn't believe he was bashing my putter, my chrome putter. So he took me into the golf shop, and the golf professional there was a good friend of his, introduced me to him, and had no clue, you know, just no clue. And he took me out and introduced me to a ping answer putter, which in 1972 was the rage. 1972, some of your, some of your younger listeners are probably going, how old is this guy, 1,000? <laughs> and anyway, took me, took me took me to the putting and gave me a little putting lesson. Put it down to my size at the time, and it's the same putter I used, Chris, 
from that day through um, winning my NCAA, all my junior tournaments, all my amateur tournaments, my NCAA, and played with it uh, three years ago. It's still at the house. It's it's like a it's a relic, but it's like my best friend in the world, just about. And the man who gave me that putter and influenced me that day and gave me that lesson was a fellow named Julius Boros, two-time U.S. Open champion. And I didn't realize that to probably 15 years later um, and never got to meet him after that. But uh, I, I walked through the doors at mid-times the uh, day before yesterday, and his pictures on many walls and halls in, in, in the, uh, the old inn. And it was, it was a great memory, actually, just a super memory, yeah. No doubt it is. Tom, as you know, I've been blessed to have Tom Purser on the show several times over the last couple of years, including following you on uh, a number of those shows. But during his time on tour, people around the game said he had the prettiest swing that they had ever seen. We've we've heard the same thing more recently about players like Adam Scott, and then in the past about Tom Weisskopf, Sam Snead, Ben Hogan. In an era where people are saying, swing your swing, who would be someone that you would want a young player that came to you for lessons to emulate? Who's got the pretty swing that you wish? Well, I'd sure like to see people swing like that. Well, first, Christian, my teacher, I don't think you should swing like anybody but yourself, and you've got to be the best version of yourself. Um, but in terms of pretty golf swings, I, I was blessed twice to caddy for Sam Snead, my junior and senior in high school, in two charity events, and that was certainly a a treat and the man was an absolute artist and, and just spectacular rhythm and balance. And it was, uh, uh, with, with the exception of the fact that he didn't pay me, um, cause he was so damn cheap. It was, <laughs> I, I would have done, I, I would have done it five more times for the same amount of money, uh, 500 more times. It was just an incredible learning experience, but you know, we've been blessed with so many wonderful things to look at. And when you think about rhythm and timing, you certainly think about couples and you think about Sam and, even Don January had a really long golf swing. He was a beautiful rhythm player. Um, Weisskopf, as you've mentioned, um, was a beautiful rhythm player. VJ was a beautiful rhythm player. Still is. Um, Scott, obviously, is, is gorgeous to look at. But going back to your original question, I don't like people to emulate um, poor players. It's an impossible dream. You know, People say all the time, I like the swing like Freddie. And it's, well, you don't have Freddie's hand-eye coordination or his balance or, or his speed. Um, the sky speed, if you will. Um, so you got to be the best version of yourself. Tom, on the opposite side of that coin, when we do swing our swing, and maybe we have an unconventional one like Jim Furyk or a, or a Matthew Wolf, when a swing like that starts to go south, how do you get it back on track? Well, as, as a teacher, because one of the things I always do when I, as I start with people, I, I as you know, I use V1 all the time, and I catalog and save a lot of swings uh, of my players. And I, I, I don't really, I don't really film my players when they're not at their best. I always try to film them and get them on film when they are at their best. So I catalog, uh, you know, whether it's a corn fairy player or it's a really good junior player or a college player I'm working with, I always have stored film of when they're playing their best. So when they're off, I can side by side that film with the film of when they're off. And we can look for differences. And usually the answer is right there and the proof's in the pudding. So, I think any good teacher, you know, and I learned that from guys that, that I learned, I learned that from Mr. Flick and, and Bill Strassbahn and various other people that influenced me. Um, Jimmy McLean certainly and Mike Hebron, who are both, are both video buffs, uh, that I should, I should record the things of my players when they're playing their best. 
Tom switching gears and we're coming off the BMW championship over there at the DP World Tour. And Sergio Garcia withdrew after the first round, shot 76 in that first round. The tournament got paused uh, due to the passing of Queen Elizabeth. But he, he leaves after Thursday's round. The next time we see him is Saturday on the sidelines of the Texas-Alabama game. <laughs> what do you make of Sergio um, bolting from the DP World Tour to go over to be at a college football game? Uh, I would have liked to have been at that game, too. But my question to you, Chris, is, is if Sergio shot 65 the first round, would he, would he have withdrawn? Um, probably not. <laughs> Um, our friend Mr. Garcia continues to put uh, his foot either in his mouth or his ass, whatever you choose to choose to put uh, <laughs> an orifice you choose. But it's just incredible that you know the guy is just seems like he's just digging the hole deeper and deeper. He he doesn't seem to do the right thing very often lately, um, and, and, and it's sad because he's just an amazing talent and, and uh, a guy who's played so much great golf and. and and, and has entertained us for a long time. Uh, to, you know, the, the shenanigans and things like this that he pulls on a regular occasion, the things that come out of his mouth are just mind-boggling. I um, uh, hope you enjoyed the game. I'm sure you had great tickets. And, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of jealous that I wasn't there myself. <laughs> you know, if Sergio had withdrawn prior to the tournament, one of the alternates, right, could have gotten into the event. And in this Correct. case, one of those alternates was a close friend of John Rahm, who now has this situation. He took it very personally that Sergio didn't leave earlier and give an opportunity, not only to somebody else, but somebody else who was a close friend. Could Sergio have taken this sort of thing out on, you know, could it have been calculated? To your point, if he shoots 65, maybe things go differently. But we know he's, to your, to your other point, he struggled with the PGA Tour recently. We saw that frustration boil over at an official. We right. we know he also has had issues with the World DP Tour as well. Could this been an opportunity for him to really stick it to both tours by leaving and by leaving after the first round, preventing other guys from getting their opportunity to play? Yeah, I, I mean, it's hard to you know first first to first to surmise that there's a conspiracy theory that's calculated. Um, without really knowing the truth is, would be short-sighted on our parts. And I would certainly not want to stoop to Sergio the level and make certain comments or assumptions, but certainly not a class to move in. And the fact that John Ron took it personally, I think a lot of guys took it personally because, you know, there's so many hard feelings out there right now between players on, on both tours, on all three tours right now, DP, PGA, and Live. Um, you know, there's a lot of tension out there and, and uh, whether, John Rahm takes it personally or not, the fact that Sergio took a spot away from somebody who needed the spot or could have used the spot to advance their career in itself is, is, is awful, uh, just awful. So, um, and, then, and then when you get somebody like John Rahm, who has a personal friend, it becomes even more personal. Hence, tensions are already high. I mean, let's face it, there's a lot of guys out there who are not fond of each other right now for various reasons and, and what's going on in the world of golf right now. This just this is just another thing that throws more gas on the fire. Didn't you have an opportunity to play with Sergio once back at uh, Westchester? I did. I did. Uh, his first year turned professional. He played in the Buell Classic at Westchester, and on a Tuesday afternoon, 
I got to play nine holes with him uh, at Westchester late in the day with him and his dad, actually. Um, and, he, you know, he was a youngster and, and couldn't have been any nicer, couldn't have been any, uh, and I, I, I'll paraphrase and, and use the word innocent at the time, happy-go-lucky and just, just happy to be out there playing. My, how things have changed. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Tom, I want to get your thoughts on Scotty Scheffler being named PGA Tour Player of the Year. Won four times this past season, including his first major at the Masters. Finished second four more times and 11 top tens and 25 starts. Was it a no-brainer that he was going to be Player of the Year, or is there an argument to be had for Cam Smith with his wins at the Open Championship, the Players' Championship, and the Tournament of Champions early this year? Arguably the three best fields in golf for the season. Was it definitely, should it have been Scheffler, no doubt, or could there be an argument for Cam Smith? Well, you can certainly make an argument for Cam Smith. Um, isn't he a live player? I heard that rumor. Yeah, so, you know, that's a player's vote. That player of the year is a player's vote. Um, I'm not sure if you're talking about the Tour Award or the PGA of America Award, but it's the Tour Award and the players were voting. Uh, <laughs> I don't think Cam was going to get a lot of votes. Um, I mean, certainly Cam Smith had a wonderful year. Um, I hope he enjoys his time on the Live Tour. And I'm really happy for Scotty Shuffler. I guess that's the way I'd answer that question. Speaking of Live, Tom, Golf Magazine interviewed Xander Schauffele. He talked about how Phil Mickelson is a mentor and a good friend. And Schauffele points out that the things that Phil said were essentially true the changes that phil wanted and the, the pga tour ended up making those very changes and it's ironic that phil's not going to reap any of those rewards and it's also interesting where the tour sort of magically found the money to do all of these things oh by the way so for all of the animosity that phil has had to deal with this year it looks like xander is saying i i kind of understand it and now we're also hearing the rumor that a top 10 player is going to be leaving the PGA Tour for live very soon. It seems like the both of those things could align very nicely. What are your thoughts about Shoffley's comments, and could this be uh, one of the last times we see Xander out on the PGA Tour? Well, I think we, we've said this before, Chris, you and I both, both on the air and off the air, that uh, the thing that hurts me the most about the PGA Tour right now is that they've been reactive, not proactive. And, and certainly by being reactive, it, it's not a great optic at all. Um, uh, the rumor about top 10 players, is, you know, there's you know, been talk about Cantley, there's been talk about, uh, you know, several of the guys, and Xander's been one of them. And certainly a lot of things point to Xander, especially with the Phil relationship, my heart. I, I love watching the guy play golf here, and I, I, you know, I tune in when he's in contention because I like to watch him play the game. Uh, I made it a point a couple years ago with Denise to go to Bay Hill and watch him play and follow him for a full day. And really enjoyed watching. He's just just got a beautiful golf swing and, and plays the game so beautifully. And if he goes to live, I, I probably wouldn't turn YouTube on to watch him. So that would break my heart a little bit as far as a golf fan is concerned. But listen, nothing surprises me anymore. Chris, I mean, we've seen guys go that we never thought would go, and we've seen guys go that we suspected would go. And so far, every rumor has kind of played out to be true. So, you know, if, if it looks like a duck and it quacks like a duck and it waddles like a duck, probably probably a duck. <laughs> you know, so uh, here we go again. Right. Tom, I want to get your thoughts on the President's Cup because everybody now is counting the international <laughs> team out. 
right? If they've got some players that, you know, are, are lesser known, people like Tom Kim, Cam Davis, Christian Behentenhaus, and Taylor Pendrith. But you know what? Hey, look, you show up and anything can happen on any given day, right? You know, when you start to overlook a team, no matter how much better on paper the U.S. team may look, I mean, David beats Goliath that way when you start to overlook a team. The USA beats the Soviet Union when you start to think that way. Marshall beats Notre Dame, right, this past week, and who would have thought that could happen? So, you know, kind of what I'm saying is, even though on paper you may say the international team is overmatched, isn't it still something you can't, you can never let another team, you know, let your team start to get overconfident and feel like, ah, these guys don't belong on the same course with us. Because that's how you end up losing. Just uh, Dick Chap wrote a book uh, right after the free U.S. Open at, at Wingfoot called The Massacre at Wingfoot. This is going to be the massacre at Quail. Um, <laughs> and, and I'll take as much of your money as you want on that bet. Uh, it, Trevor Inland is probably calling, probably called Tom Patrick and Chris Mascaro to fill in for him, a couple of players on that, on that team. It's going to be, <laughs> it's not going to be pretty. It's going to be hard to, it's going to be hard for TV announcers to keep it interesting for a couple of days on the air. Um, I, I think it's an absolute route, but you know, and, and watch me be wrong, uh, again, um, as I've been so many times, but that's just my feeling. Tom, I want to get a playing lesson or two from you before I let you go. And as we start to approach fall and winter in the not too distant future, particularly for our friends up in the northern part of the country, the ground is going to start to become harder and the lies are going to become tighter. Is there an adjustment we need to make with our wedges in particular so the leading edges don't dig as much because of that hard pan? Or is the shot essentially the same? Well, the first adjustment you make is jet blue. <laughs> and they fly, they fly into Fort Myers every day, three times a day. And I'm about 15 minutes from the airport. And Crown Colony, from what I understand, my super I've been talking to, because I'm going home in a month, is in wonderful condition. And come on down and we'll play golf in some good conditions. That's the first adjustment you make. <laughs> After that, the second adjustment you make, if you can't do that, is you find an indoor facility close to you with a track and simulator and have at it. But playing golf in those conditions uh, are brutal. And there's not much you can do about, you know, Mother Nature. Um, you certainly can't hit down and compress the ball like you like to do on, on fine turf during the summer season, even spring and fall. Um, so you're basically something out of luck. I won't use the word. You're, you're out of luck there. So, no, there's not a lot you can do in that condition, Chris. And I'd be lying if I told the folks out there listening right now that there was. Tom, let's get back to fundamentals and the fundamentals of alignment. You've got a great video out on that on your YouTube channel. Oftentimes, I find that if I've pulled or pushed a shot, when I look down at my feet or check out my hips or my shoulders, it's exactly where I was aimed. How can we do a better job of ingraining proper alignment into our routines? You know, Chris, I tell people all the time, if I took Christmas care tomorrow to a PGA Tour event or a Corn Ferry Tour event to watch me work with some of my players and we walk down the practice tee, um, we'd be hard-pressed to walk by any tour player at any level, male or female, that didn't have some kind of alignment device on the ground, thinking that they need reinforcement, optical references to get set up properly and make themselves aware of what it feels, it feels in 
feels like and visually what it looks like to be aligned properly. Uh, I, I always tell you and I always tell all my students, I think that 99% of swing elements can be traced back to the setup. And one of the fundamentals of setup is alignment. So if you're practicing without something on the ground and not reinforcing the fundamental of alignment, you're creating golf suicide. Tom, before I let you go, remind our listeners again how they can stay up to date with the great things you're doing and follow you on social media, on your website, and then, of course, subscribing to your YouTube channel. There's certainly all the regular places, you know, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and certainly YouTube. That YouTube channel is really, really good now. Over 300 videos there. Um, and it's hosting golf, Chris Mascaro. <laughs> I appreciate you, TP. You're the best, my friend. Stay safe. All the best to you and your wife and the family, and I look forward to catching up with you again in a couple of weeks. Catch you soon. All right. See you, TP. That is the great Tom Patry. At TomPatry.com is the website, or I should say TomPatry.com is the website. At TomPatryGolf, you can find him on Twitter and Instagram. And again, subscribe to that YouTube channel, folks. 300 Three playing lessons are out there waiting for you. And then, obviously, you can take it with you on your phone, right? Go to, go to the driving range, take Tom's lessons, put a, take a look at them on your phone, and then, you know, do the things that he's, he's, get, he's given you. Your game's going to get better for free. Why wouldn't you do it? The outstanding stuff. Look forward to catching up with Tom again in a couple of weeks. Before I get to my next guest, Allison Fillmore, I want to remind you about a couple more of our friends, starting with the folks over at Strixon Cleveland Golf. Your best performance starts with the right golf ball at Strixon. A global leader in golf ball technology and innovation, Strixon offers a wide variety of award-winning golf balls for golfers of every skill level. Whether you're searching for a tour performance golf ball or a distance golf ball with incredible feel, Strixon provides the best golf balls at incredible prices. Strixon offers a wide variety of personalized options, while also developing a highly visible colored golf ball as well. Select the right golf ball for your game today and trust it with Shrixon. Check them out online at Shrixon.com. S-R-I-X-O-N.com. Find the right golf ball for your game today. I also want to remind you about our friends over at Sun Mountain. There's a company nestled in the Valley of Missoula, Montana, that embodies the essence of quality, function, and innovation, and that's Sun Mountain which started building golf bags back in 1981. They are an industry leader in golf bags, travel covers, outerwear, and push carts. With flagship products that you've come to know, like the C-130 cart bag, the 2.5 ultralight stand bag, the club glider travel cover, the speed cart, and Rainflex rain gear. Sun Mountain continues its quest to provide the very best in golf products to every range of golfer. Visit them online at sunmountaingolf.com to look at their amazing products. Okay, now back and next on the tee with me is Allison Fillmore. Allison is the Vice President of Product Development for the PGA Tour. Prior to her current role, Allison was the Vice President and Executive Director of the Tour Championship. She's also been the Vice President of Sales for the Atlanta Motor Speedway and Vice President of Ticket Sales for the Atlanta Dream and Premium Seat Sales for the Atlanta Falcons. Going all the way back to the late 90s and early part of the 2000s, She was an account manager for the Sacramento Kings and the Cleveland Lumberjacks. She earned her bachelor's degree in sports administration at Ohio University. And I'm thrilled to have her back with me again tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Allison, thanks for coming back on the show. 
Thanks for having me. Oh, my gosh. It makes me sound so old. Early 90s. Goodness. <laughs> like, Sorry good rap and then Allison Fillmore's resume. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Love it. Allison, it's been a little over a year since I got to have you on the show. When last we left you, you were the VP and Executive Director for the Tour Championship. Talk about your new role as VP of Product Development. Sure. Thank you. Well, first off, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, it's been a big change. I got an opportunity to, to join our headquarters team down here in Ponte Vedra Beach, Florida, at our new global headquarters. And I am focusing on official marketing partnerships for the PGA Tour. So those are season-long partnerships with brands that want to use the PGA Tour as a great way to talk about their brand as well as partner with the tour and really get in front of a great audience. So it's been a lot of fun. Uh, Big change. Moving from Atlanta. I lived in Atlanta for the last 20 years. And now in Ponte Vedra Beach, and I will tell you that it is true, it does rain every single day at 3 o'clock <laughs> here in Florida. Um, <laughs> kind of getting used to that one. But, no, it's been a great move. Starting to travel, looking forward. We're going to President's Cup next week, hosting a whole bunch of clients. And uh, look, golf is, is still very healthy and fun, and want to pe- a lot of people want to get involved. So. It's been a great year having you know, um, Scotty Scheffler win Player of the Year, having Rory win the Tour Championship for the third time, the first ever to do so. It's been a really exciting year. Yeah, it has. And I, I want to get into a couple of things that you just talked about. Let's t- go back to the partnerships that uh, you get an opportunity to work with, because I saw a recent post that you put out on LinkedIn regarding why partnerships in sports work. You know, sports fans have a uh, I guess potentially a higher level of trust for brands that they see advertised during sporting events. Talk about that. Sure. It's, it's definitely something that brands really rely on. Sports, bar- sports partnerships are a great way to really showcase your brand as well as creating awesome return on investment while partnering with some of the best brands out there in sports. I mean, for us, it's it's all about our tournaments. It's all about our media partners. It's all about our athletes. So really being able to get in front of those, uh, the the most affluent audience in all of sports, right, is PGA Tour fans. So uh, by working with those groups of folks like our players and our and our media teams and um, our tournaments, it's, it's definitely a great way to get your brand out there. So it's been a lot of fun, been traveling a lot. Uh, really working on some strategic partnerships for the tour and as categories ebb and flow as well as our titles. We we kind of have a setup where a couple folks focus on our title properties as well as our um, official marketing partnerships. We've got another team that focuses on those. So it's, it keeps us busy throughout the year, that's for sure. That's for sure. And with all these new elevated events, uh, we've, we're really excited that we've had a lot of partners step up and want to get more involved. So we're really looking forward to 2023 and 2024. To that end, can you talk about some of the brands that have stepped up and want to be a part of what's going to be these elevated events for next year out on tour? 
You know, we haven't really decided on what those events are going to be. Obviously, we want to listen to our partners, but also we want to make sure that it works for for the tournaments as well. So we are working with partners right now and looking at what that's going to look like for 2023 and beyond. But we've had a lot of people that are very interested in the opportunity to step up and want to be an elevated event. So as we work through those, we'll probably have a little bit more definition coming into 2023. Uh, but that's that's still something that, uh, that hasn't been decided yet. Switching gears, you, you talked about the tour championship, or at least mentioned it a moment ago. I, I got to imagine, what was it like for you to come back to Atlanta and Eastlake in a different role, this time not being responsible for hosting the tournament? I, I sort of envision <laughs> it like going back to a house that you sold or a childhood house and, and walking inside and seeing what, well, gee, they, they decorated that difference and uh, they painted those walls and uh, they moved that over there. Hmm. It, it just seems like it would be odd to step back into an event that you were so ingrained with. And now you get kind of walking in from the outside. What was it like for you coming back and seeing what they did with the place, if you will? You know, it was kind of the best of both worlds, Chris. Uh, I laughed. I didn't leave Atlanta until mid-June, so was able to still work in the office, worked with uh, the newest ED, Alex Urban, for a transition period, and, you know, this was his baby, and he ran with it. He did such an amazing job, and honestly, it was really fulfilling for me to come back and see all the hard work that the staff puts in year-round and be able to come and see it from a different point of view, from a different angle. I got to see different things about the tournaments that I never had a chance to really deal with as executive director. So uh, seeing some of the events around the tournament, seeing uh, coming in as a, as a fan, really understanding what fans have to go through in that journey. It, it was, it was a lot of fun and, and it was also really reassuring that, We've been doing it right for a long time, and I see that the tournament is just going to keep growing and keep being successful because the community is supportive, uh, the staff is amazing, and the Eastlake Foundation, which is the community quarterback in that area, really does focus on the best for its residents, and you can see how they do that through this partnership with the PGA Tour and the city. So. It was a lot of fun to come back. It was great to see everyone, and I can only see this tournament getting bigger and bigger each year. And it was a tremendous tournament to watch. I mean, Rory chasing down Scotty Scheffler, winning his third tour championship. So exciting. I know. Talk about what it was like being there on the grounds on Sunday and watching that charge happen. Uh, it was it was so fun because I got a chance to get to know Scotty's family in 2020 when we didn't have fans at the tour championship. So it was fun. He was rookie of the year that year coming off of, from, um, he was coming off the corn Ferry tour the year prior and now seeing him as player of the year. I, I don't think that's ever happened before. I think this is the first time there's always been a, there's been a corn Ferry. um, uh, I'm sorry. Rookie of the Year and Player of the Year um, this close together. So it's it's been fun to watch. Um, it's always great to see Rory do well as, as well as being third person, the first person to do a three-peat. Uh, I was lucky enough to give Rory the trophy um, previously, so it was 
it was really exciting to see him um, be successful again. So it's it's been look, it's been it's been a great year, and it was so fun to watch. I had my family there; they flew up for the weekend, so we were able to give our proper goodbye to Atlanta and make our way back down to Ponte Vedra Beach and and enjoy what we've got here. So. A group that doesn't get enough recognition for the great job they do really year-round, especially during tournament week, is the superintendent and the agronomy team. In this tournament's case, our friend Ralph Keppel and his team out there. Talk about the amount of work that goes into making sure the course is in great condition and what we get to see on TV and then what we get to see when we're walking around. Because they had a bit of a challenge this year, and it's not the first time when they've had to deal with a lot of rain and water, but boy, they did such a great job. Ralph and Charlie and their team do such an amazing job. Honestly, they are the best in the business. Uh, Ralph just celebrated his 30th year, I want to say, with uh, Eastlake. Uh, Charlie is an amazing superintendent. He just, uh, that, that team is just so good and the best in the business. Um, they keep that place amazing, and honestly, I will tell you to this day, it's still my place, my favorite place to play in the world. Uh, they do such a great job. It's just, it's a very simple golf course, but when you look at the rough and you look at, you know, how the grass and everything, it's just, it's, it's a tough course, and man, it really tests your patience to play there. But they do such a great job. They work their butts off all year round, not just during tournament time. They ramp up during tournament time. But these guys are out there. When I would be driving into work super early morning, 6 o'clock, you'd see the guys out there prepping the course. Coming home late at night, guys are out there getting the course ready for the next day. Whether it's, you know, covering the greens because of frost, or just making sure that, you know, the water is off the, the fairways. Guys are busting their butts 24-7 to keep it beautiful. And and uh, Eastlake is super lucky to have those two guys at the helm. Yes, they are. And, Allison, you know, I, I was blessed once about 20 years ago to get to go out there and play Eastlake. I contend to this day it was the greatest golf experience of my life. For those folks that have never had the opportunity to talk a little bit about it here, but for those who have never had an opportunity to play it and experience what a day at playing Eastlake is like, kind of let us in a little bit for what that experience was like for you. Well, honestly, it's a beautiful course in the middle of the city, and that's really it's kind of a hidden gem right there between Alston and Allendale, where, you know, the likes of work done live off the course. Um, gorgeous homes, uh, the Alston house, where um, you've got some uh, some folks that have been members at Eastlake for a long time. Bobby Jones' uh, original home was on Daniel, very close to the golf course. That's the first place he played, the last place he played. Bob Jones IV, a great friend of the golf course, as well as the Tour Championship, I know of yours as well. There's yep. so much history there. You've got, uh, you know, Kilty the Kingmaker, you know, uh, Stuart Maiden that's buried across the street at the cemetery, at HG Cemetery. There's, it's 
it's just a ton of history. So being able to play at Eastlake and seeing this beautiful course in the middle of the city, like I said, it's a simple course up and down, no dog legs, straight and narrow, but man, it's gorgeous with kind of dividing the front nine and the back nine and just really challenging holes. The first island green in the United States, it's just a really historic golf course. They're going to be going through a renovation after the 2023 event. I, I've been privy to some of those uh, changes, and I can tell you it's going to be even more amazing. So um, it, it is just a, a gem in the middle of the city of Atlanta. And if you ever get the opportunity to play again, I would definitely say take that chance and run. <laughs> 100%. You mentioned... Dr. Bob Jones the fourth, and he is a great friend of both of ours. But talk about Doc and the and the the influence that the Jones family continues to have, not only on the Tour Championship but on golf as a whole. I mean, his relationship with our Bobby Jones relationship with the Masters, with the Atlanta Athletic Club, with Eastlake. Bobby Jones Airs, you know, the the whiskey, I, you name it, um, Bobby Jones clothing line, it, it truly embodies golf in a way that uh, really connects golf with legacy, and that's Bobby Jones, right? It's, uh, it, was, it was so exciting to be a part of that just because of the history and such, and ultimately, uh, Dr. Bob, great friend of of the tour championship of Eastlake of yours, but I actually had the opportunity to see him hit the first tee shot at Bobby Jones, um, the course, and it was truly amazing just to see and, and know that he was Bobby Jones' grandson and, and through his legacy gets to create these opportunities for inner city kids to be able to play golf, for, you know, great golf course to be transformed into something innovative and special. It's, uh, Atlanta's at the forefront of golf and it's, it's, it's so exciting to watch. And, um, Dr. Bob is, is an amazing advocate for not just his, his, his great grandfather, but, um, for, for golf in general. So it's, uh, it's been fun. It's been fun to, see him um, really, really promote his legacy and, and what he's done for his family. Allison, the scoring system there at the Tour Championship has come under some scrutiny over the last few years since they went to the graduated leaderboard. I know it's hard to figure out options for how to determine who the FedEx Cup champion, particularly the Tour Championship, who's going to win it. Um, based on the year year collecting points and all that sort of thing. Is that still something the tour is kicking around, or have they settled in on this is how it's going to be done? Look, there there definitely has been some scrutiny on the scoring system. However, prior to the change, it was so confusing, right? You had all these different scenarios. No one could tell the difference. And the biggest thing is the athletes really couldn't tell who was in first place, who was in second place. They couldn't figure it out because of the scoring. It was really, really tough to navigate. So now we make it easy, right? And, of course, not everyone is going to be happy. And there's been scenarios where you, where a certain player would have come out 
potentially above the other. But ultimately, when it comes down to it, what's the most important thing is really understanding easy for everyone to understand. And truly, when it comes down to it, this is this is the easiest way for the general fan, for your partners, for your sponsors, for your athletes to really understand who is leading. They can look at the scoreboard and they know right away when it's happening. And truly, I don't see a change anytime soon. That Look, I am no one that's making those decisions. But ultimately, when it comes down to it, I think it's been pretty successful so far. Uh, so I don't foresee any changes anytime soon. Allison, we talked a little bit about this the last time you joined me, but you've broken through the glass ceiling for women in the sports industry. You and Susie Whaley are pioneers in that area. At one point in your career, you were actually told that you weren't good enough, and you've risen above that moment to being a vice president for the PGA Tour. Talk about how you were able to persevere and overcome some pretty big hurdles early on in your career? Well, I really aligned myself with some great people as I was had the opportunity to be involved in many different teams, uh, leagues, things of that nature. Aligning myself with some really great people to help me and my journey, someone to bounce ideas off of, someone to mentor, and really to share experiences with. Um, and that's, that's been the success in my story. I've uh, while I'm doing great things, there are so many other women at the PGA Tour that are doing great things as well. You've got Alex Baldwin, who's the president of the Corn Ferry Tour, first female to ever be a president of a tour. Um, we have Julie Tyson, she's our senior vice president of strategy and innovation, someone that has been in golf for a long time, not just with the PGA Tour, the LPGA as well. I'm lucky to surround myself with some pretty amazing women. So honestly, um, it it makes it easy when you've got those types of people to look up to. Allison, before I let you go, I know you're from Cleveland and I'm from Pittsburgh. And um, being from <laughs> Cleveland... That's not your fault. I blame your parents. It's not your fault that they, they that they had you uh, in Cleveland. We're one and zero. We're one and zero. It's so exciting. <laughs> yeah, tell me what. Very how do you feel about your Browns? Oh, I love my Browns. Um, not exactly excited about some of their choices they've made in the past, but exciting. Um, I'm I'm a forever glass half full type person. So um, I'm a diehard and I'll be with them till the end. So go Cleveland, go Brownies. <laughs> Allison, remind our listeners, how can they stay up to date with all the great things you're doing, whether it's following you online or it's on social media? Sure. I'm on Instagram, I'm Facebook, LinkedIn. Please connect with me, but also to uh, make sure to follow PGA Tour uh, dot com. Download the app. It's got all the great info on tournaments, on our athletes, and just all the good work we're doing in the community. Allison, I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your night to come back and be a part of the show. You're fantastic, mm -hmm. my friend. I hope I get the blessing Thanks, of having you back on friend. the show again soon. I would be honored to join you again. Thank you so much. Take care, Allison. All the best to you and your family. You as well. Bye-bye. Okay. See ya. That is the great Allison Fillmore, folks. What a wonderful lady and a talented individual, obviously, as well. 
You can follow her on Twitter at A-L-L-I-T 23. So Alit 23 is where you can find her on Twitter. And like I say, folks, she's a wonderful person. She's done so many great things over the course of her career. Very excited to keep up to date with all the great things that she's going to continue to do and help the PGA Tour and their partnerships and the growth of the PGA Tour. Hopefully, like I say, we get the, the blessing and the opportunity to catch up again with Allison real soon. Okay, before I get to my next guest, Brenda Kalkavecchia, I want to remind you about a couple more of our friends, starting with the folks over at Adele Golf. Is your driver adjustable? Of course it is. How about your irons? Didn't think so. Adele's new SMS irons give you adjustability in an iron to match your swing. These new irons come with three weights lined up across the back of the club. By moving the heavy weight to the heel, center, or toe location, you can match the club to your swing instead of vice versa. The result? Total control of the club face for more distance and accuracy. Your irons can't do this. Check them out online by going to adelgolf.com. I also want to give a shout out to our friends over at Squares Golf. Are you like me, always considering new golf equipment? Maybe a new driver? Well, let me reset your thinking because I discovered Squares Golf Shoes. The patented Squares Toe provides balance, stability, and a wider base for increased connection to the ground, effectively increasing your swing speed by 2.2 miles per hour and an average of 9 yards of distance. Independent testing proves it. That's right. It's proven in science. Go to squares.com, get the Squares 30-day money-back guarantee, and use promo code DISTANCE to get $20 off. Remember, distance comes from swing speed, and swing speed comes from your connection to the ground. Squares, the distance golf shoe. Now next on the tee with me is Brenda Kalkavecchia. Like I mentioned at the top of the show, Brenda is not only Mark's wife, she's his caddy, and to Mark's own admission, a funnier and more entertaining follow over social media. You can find her on Twitter and Instagram at Brenda Kalk. She's also a realtor who specializes in helping people find private country clubs and housing down in the Jupiter and Palm Beach areas in Florida. She attended the Ohio State University and graduated from Franklin University. And I'm excited to have her with me tonight here on Next on the T. Hey, Brenda, thanks for coming on the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Absolutely. So, Brenda, before we get into all the golf stuff, like I say, you're an Ohio State Buckeye, and, and, and your Buckeyes are 2-0, and ranked number three. Michigan right behind them at number four. Is this the yeah. year that Ohio State runs the table and, and takes down a Georgia or an Alabama, most likely in a national championship? You know, I, I was a little nervous watching the Notre Dame game. Um, but, you know, it's our first game, our opener, kind of a tough game to, to start with. And then uh, and I think when I saw Alabama, I, I think we might, I don't know, I think we might have a chance, but it's so early. You know how this goes, and um, I don't want to get excited. You, you get excited, and then you get heartbroken. So it all leads up to that big game, you know, the big Michigan game. So we'll we'll see. With Mark having played his college golf at the University of Florida, when you've got Ohio State and Florida both playing at the same time, which game are you guys watching, or do you have multiple TVs going? <laughs> uh, Ohio State would be first. Um, so when we we first started dating, he knew, you know, I'm a huge Ohio State Buckeye, um, and I'm Jewish, and I said, there's there's two things 
you know, you don't, you don't have to convert to Judaism, but we need to be married by a rabbi. Um, and you have to convert to uh, Buckeyeism. So, uh, <laughs> he, he obliged. And, um, when we played Florida, this was back when Urban Meyer was actually coaching Florida. Um, yeah, that was a tough game. Um, he actually felt really bad because they beat us. We were in Hawaii. And I, I can remember this because we were downstairs. There was like a big family area with this giant TV and all the families and kids were there. And boy, it was, uh, it was not a, a family event for me. I was <laughs> using language. And, uh, so we quickly, quickly went back to the hotel room and, um, you know, the, the unfortunate that, uh, we lost Florida one. And when we had to go to dinner that night, and I said, I, I don't even think I can make myself go to dinner. I literally, how upset I was. I literally threw up. <laughs> oh, my. I said, oh, I was so upset. I said, I don't think I can go to dinner. Um, but we were meeting one of one of our good friends, actually, who caddied for Mark for uh, quite some time, Eric Larson. Um, anyway, so so I made it. We went to dinner, and, and I, I, I survived. But uh, he, he definitely <laughs> roots for Ohio State. Um, first, first and foremost. So, Brenda, you mentioned when you and Mark first started dating, and I and I read that you met Mark at the 2001 Memorial Tournament. Is that accurate? Yeah, yeah. Wow, yeah. That's what, 21 years ago. Yeah. So, we, how uh, did you meet him? So it was it was not like um. A big introduction. I um, was with some friends. I always went to to Muirfield. I mean, that was always you know the, the highlight of our year is going to the memorial. And uh, I was waiting on a friend. He went into the clubhouse to use the restroom, so I was waiting on him. We were going to go over and um, just hang out afterwards. And Mark was just sitting outside waiting for his brother or someone to pick him up. And I just introduced myself. I said, "Hey." Um, at that time. I had I had been married before, so my last name was very similar to Kalkovecchia with the same last six letters, Ekia. Um, so I, you know, I followed him. I'm like, oh yeah, you know, we're probably distant cousins. I don't know. So <laughs> we, um, I, I, I went up to him. I said, hey, you know, I told him my last name and um, enjoy watching him play. I said, hey. It's, you got time, you want to go play nine holes over um, members at the uh, Palmer course up the street, uh, Tartan Field. Kind of looked at me and gave me a weird look and was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and, and that was it. And I didn't think much of it, but I went the next day and uh, watched them and followed them. Um, kind of smiled. So I don't know if you saw me and thought, oh, that's that girl I met the other day, but whatever. Um, and then, I, you know, that was it. And then they had the um, um, Accenture up at um, Akron. So went up to Akron in August, um, which is about an hour and a half from Columbus, and um, showed up on the 10th hole. And he kind of looked over and gave me a double take, and he's like, ah, I think I know that girl. And so he... Uh, kind of stopped over and said hi. And I said, yeah, I met you at the memorial. I introduced myself again. He's like, oh, cool. And uh, at that time, um, 
Oh, gosh. I'm trying to think who was caddying for him. He tells his caddy. He tells his caddy on the, like, second hole, or we'll see, we were on 10, so 11 or 12. He says, cut over, because there's a lot of cutovers on that course. He says, cut over. Tell her not to leave. Tell her I'd like to take her to dinner. So, of course, you know, he, he says that. I said, okay. So I wait for him afterwards. I um, pick him up. He was waiting for me. I went and got my car. I picked him up, and uh, I was so nervous. We went to dinner, Hyde Park, which was, you know, the big thing there in Akron. And uh, I think I ate, I ordered a shrimp cocktail, and I think I ate one shrimp. I ate a shrimp. <laughs> so, um, but I, I gave him my phone number, and I said, yeah, I hope, you know, if you ever, I, I, I didn't think he'd ever call me again. So I gave him my phone number, and um, for anybody that knows me, my handwriting is, so bad. So I wrote my number down. I don't hear from him for like a week or so. I was thinking, oh, whatever. He didn't, you know, really care to go out with me or anything. And then I emailed him a couple times. I don't know how we finally figured it out, but the phone number I gave him, it was like, the three was like, it was 519, but it looked like 579. So he's calling this number 579, this this phone number, <laughs> leaving messages. Hey, if you don't want to go out with me, fine. But, you know, he's getting mad. <laughs> he, he leaves this message. He says, hey, do you, do you want to go to Napa? I'm going to Butch Harmon's wedding. He's leaving all these messages. I'm not getting back to him. But we, we sorted it out. Maybe it took a month for us to figure this whole debacle out. <laughs> we end up going to... Butch Harmon's wedding in Napa. I said, hey, let's call that number and tell him we got together. (laughs) We called the number that he was calling the whole time, leaving all these messages. Like, hey, we just wanted to let you know we hooked up and we're at Butch Harmon's wedding. Thanks. (laughs) Anyway, and then that was it. I I mean, we probably spoke every day since that day or, you know, since then. So, yeah, so that was, yeah, 20. 21 years ago. Brenda, I also read that after you guys did get together, you were traveling with Mark from tournament to tournament, walking all 18 holes with him, and, and you thought, you know what? I might as well carry the bag since I'm walking all 18 holes with him anyway. Is that is that how it came about that you became his caddy? Um, yeah, yeah, kind of. He, um, so we kind of started at, I think it was Mexico City. It was one of the, it kind of like broke me in at, at a place where it was kind of like international or someplace where, you know, he didn't have to worry about getting a caddy. And so I kind of became like the international caddy. So uh, Korea, we won in Korea back in, I guess it was 05. Um, so it was just kind of like that. He had gone, he goes through caddies. He was like, you know, kind of jumped around. But he had always promised um, Eric Larson, who had caddied for him forever, um, but had gone to prison. That's a whole other story. But um, he had said, when you get out of prison, you, you know, have a job. You always have a job with me. So I kind of filled in until that happened. And then when Eric got out, Eric caddied for him for a couple years. They they won um, in Tampa at the pod. Um, and then Eric went on and got a job with... Um, Dude, Anthony um, Kim after that full time. 
caddying isn't easy. It's not like you wake up one day and you, and you start to be someone's caddy. There's the matter, first of all, of being in shape to not just walk 72 or 90 holes in a week, depending on whether it's a <laughs> PGA Tour event or a Champions Tour event, plus the Pro-Am, plus the practice rounds. And, and then you've got a 50 or 60 pound bag on your back for several miles every day. Talk about how you were able to make that transition and deal with all of that. Well, you know, I mean, I've, I've always been in, in pretty good shape, but nothing really prepares you for that. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it was hard. I, I sucked it up. I was, I was carrying that bag and there was no way, you know, I was ever going to admit that it was, it was a lot for me. Um, I, I do remember, you know, a couple really bad times. One, uh, we played in, um, Jeju Island in Korea one time and it was pouring down rain, but it was so cold. It was like ice pellets and it was on the side of a freaking volcano or mountain or something. And I mean, I, I cry, I got done and I just remember crying thinking, Oh my God, how, I don't know how I'm going to do this. Um, but you know, you just, you just suck it up. I mean, Thank God I don't carry the big bag anymore. Once once you got on the um, Champions Tour, uh, I said if uh, you're riding a cart, I'm taking a um, small bag. So, and and that helps. You know, the small bag is is much easier. But you know, when you have the big bag and you've got all the equipment, you've got your rain suits and you've got extra towels. I mean, especially you know in in British Open, I mean you've got everything in it. It it weighs a lot. No doubt. And Brenda, as his wife, I'm guessing you have a little more leeway to say things to him than a traditional caddy may. Can can you get on him more if he's struggling out there in a way that would get somebody else fired? Uh, yeah, I I absolutely. I mean, I I think everybody would be scared to death to say, you know, get your head out of your ass because they don't want to <laughs> lose their job. But, you know, I'm just thinking if he fires me, he fires me. Um, I, I don't know what the tally is. I think I've been fired several times, but I think I've quit a lot more than he's, than he's fired me. So, um, <laughs> <it's>, <laughs> I don't think I, I, I've never walked off the course, but I, I do remember we got in a huge fight and I just said the Saturday of, um, staff, I said, you can find somebody else because I'm not coming out. So, <laughs> so. There is, there's, there is that. I mean, obviously, no other caddy would say, yeah, find someone else today. I'm not showing up. Um, <laughs> but, but, but we have a great relationship. So obviously, I mean, we're with each other and we're, we're in our motorhome. So I mean, there's no escaping him. I mean, I'm on him with the course. I'm in the bus with him. I can't even, you know, I can't even go in another room. So obviously after 21 years, if, if, if we can still stand each other, um, we were doing something right. How do you keep each other loose and having fun? You know, obviously, golf can be a pretty frustrating, stressful game, particularly when you're out there playing in a major championship on either tour, whether it's the PGA or the Champions Tour or whatever. How do you have fun and how do you keep it loose and nice when it can be such a frustrating game? Well, I mean, we, we he, he's, he's the kind of player that he does somebody to tell him, a million different things before he hits his, his shot. You know, we'll say, okay, there's a little bit of wind. This is your distance. Um, I mean, we're usually very focused as far as that goes. 
um, probably, I mean, I'm the worst at staying serious. Like, I just, it's it's in me to just somehow make someone laugh. Like, well, he he could be totally serious. Um, And and there's always going to be stuff for just a second, you know. Um, not not to disturb and not to um, get them off track, but just just something to lighten it up. Brenda, I read that back at the 2009 Open Championship at Turnberry, that you actually broke your foot when you stepped in a hole coming up the ninth <laughs> fairway, and you knew you broke it, but you didn't tell Mark because he was playing so well. You didn't want to distract him with that. Mark was only one back after the second round. That was the year. Tom Watson nearly won it at age 59. But how were you able to deal with the pain and not let Mark know what happened? <laughs> uh, yeah, that was scary because the ground is super hard there. And there's, you know, um, it was kind of like a little, like a, a pathway. And I remember feeling it. I remember almost hearing it. And I was like, oh, my God. And I have had stress fractures. I have had a lot of issues with my feet and my um, ankles. And I just knew, I'm like, oh, my gosh. And I had friends there. And I, I remember going over there and go, I just think I broke my foot. And he's like, what? I go, I think I broke my foot. And, we, you know, there was nothing to do. I just kept going. Um, that night, we had to go out to dinner. And I put on some high heels. And believe it or not, I think the high heels helped take the pressure off of it. Um, That whole week, I just tied that shoe so tight and, again, sucked it off. And we were taking the plane back to Canada. So we always had, like, a a flight that would go from um, the British Open to the Canadian Open. Um, And we got on that flight. I took my shoe off, and I knew I couldn't put the shoe back on because my foot was so swollen. I said, um, I'm going to fly back to Miami. Once we get there, I think I broke my foot. And he's like, what? <laughs> like, he had no idea. I said, yeah. And it was so swollen, there was no way I could even put a shoe back on. And uh, so we got, I don't know if we flew into Toronto, wherever we did, I just um, booked a flight back to Miami. So, I, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's just adrenaline. It's 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 just what you do. It's, you know, it's, it's, look at Tiger getting through with a broken leg. His, his leg was broken. I mean, you just, you don't think about those things when you're in the moment and you're, you know, you're, you're in a British Open. He's not going to stop. I don't want him to worry about me. And Brenda, speaking of the British Open, earlier this year, you and Mark made your final appearance in the Open Championship at St. Andrews. Talk about that experience and what it was like to share in the moment when Mark got to have that final wave to the fans from the Swilkin Bridge. Yeah, that was so cool. Um, we've got to see, um, we were there when um, uh, Jack Nicholas did it um, and Faldo. And I just, I kind of always had that in my head. Wouldn't that be the coolest thing if that's where he has his last um, British Open? And it, it wasn't looking like that was going to work out, but because of COVID, and then he had back surgery. Um, it somehow worked out that we were able to make that his last open appearance. 
And um, the whole week leading up to it, you know, we just, we had the kids with us and um, um, our son-in-law. And it was, you know, it was, we rented a great place. And we were just enjoying every moment of it. Um, you know, you get teary-eyed and it's just, gosh, there's just so much history. And it's just, if, if you're going to go out, um, that's the place. And I'm just so happy. I'm so honored that I got to be there and actually stand on the bridge with him. So, um, and, and that's history. It's, it was just so cool. Um, I feel bad, you know, he's having knee issues and he just couldn't play to any potential that he really wanted to, but, um, it, it surely was an amazing uh, week for us. And Brenda, the, the print and social media these days are very negative entities at times. They haven't always been kind or accurate, oh, by the way, to you guys, particularly over there at the Open Championship. I, I didn't appreciate it on your behalf for how they tried to portray that moment on the Swilkin Bridge. How do you deal with the media when they are really just looking for clickbait? So um, I'm trying to remember what year it was. We were at, I believe, Burkdale. Really bad. And this is for social media. So Back then, and I had, you know, they had always, whatever, been a big deal that I was chatting out there. So, you know, I kind of always dealt with it and try not to read stuff or get upset. I mean, I don't want to say I didn't sign up for that, but, you know, whatever. So we decided one, the morning of, um, say morning at Burkdale, you know, seven o'clock tea time or 630 tea time. It was just miserable. And he's like, just don't even come out. I'll get somebody there. There's no way you can do this with the umbrella and it's blowing 50 this way. So I just stayed at the hotel. Well, my, I have a girlfriend that actually lives in England and she calls me up. She's like, what's going on? I said, what do you mean? She said, oh my God, they're on the radio talking about how you guys had a fight and you didn't show up and he can't find a caddy. I'm like, what? So. Back then, there wasn't any social media for me to at least voice exactly what happened. So I think the incident that you're referring to was they had said that Mark either tripped, which I think he did kind of trip up. I wasn't paying that much attention when he got onto the bridge, but, you know, we we kissed and whatever. And then, I don't know, they said I snubbed him, whatever it was, at least. With social media now, I can at least voice what actually happened, whereas back then I had no voice and I couldn't say anything, and all these people think I'm an idiot. So at least now there's, you know, you're able to defend yourself with social media, I think. And Brenda, you made mention of the back surgery that Mark had, and and, uh, now he's looking at knee replacement surgery. Talk about the, the impact that the game has, has had on Mark and and uh, what's next for him. Well, it's, <laughs> if he were a horse, I think we would have shot him by now. He, um, <laughs> I mean, the back surgery, oh, my gosh. So um, finally now, after years and years of having such bad back pain, and he's always had epidurals and he's had um, rhizotomies, the back surgery seemed to have finally done its job. And then, like, two months ago, he's like, yeah, my knees are really killing me. Goes, and they said, yeah, you've got bone on bone. You're going to need a knee replacement. And it's just like, 
you know, we're, we're, we're on borrowed time and we all know that it, it, on the champions tour, the young guys come out, they, you know, hit it like Patrick forever and ever. They, they, they kill the ball and, you know, he's lost distance. He's lost stamina. Um, hopefully if he gets a knee replacement and, you know, we can get in a little better shape, well, maybe we can play for another few more years and, uh, get something out of it. But, um, you know, it's, it's, it beats you up. You know, these guys now, they don't play as much as, as Mark did. I mean, he played every week. He played all the time. And, you know, he's not in the greatest shape. So that takes a toll on your body. Um, so, yeah, we're hoping that this knee replacement, you know, gives him a few more years. Otherwise, I'm just going to be a full-time. I don't know. <laughs> Run a couple more before I let you go. And earlier, I believe it was this year, I saw the video of you stretching with Miguel Angel Jimenez. And his routine is a bit unorthodox, but clearly works for him. Is that how you stretch out now before the start of a round? I, well, I don't play that much anymore. Um, it's it become a job as opposed to something. I Before I met Mark, I was, you know, 36 a day. I loved playing. So I don't really play too much, but I do plan, um, which I'm going to miss this year. Um, we do a, a caddy tournament every year at SAS in North Carolina. So I'm kind of sad to miss that. But, um, no, that was just some of the guys watch us. We were actually, that was, I think that was out at, um, gosh, where, where was that? Um Wherever, well, we were, he was watching us, so we were playing in the caddy tournament, and I said, you know, here, help me warm up. So, um, I did my warm up with him. Um, it was interesting. I couldn't keep up with him. He's, he's flexible. <laughs> he is. Brenda, RV life is something I'm trying to talk my wife into, into us doing. I keep trying to convince her that we need to get rid of all our stuff. Buy an RV, and we're going to live wherever it is we park that day. Talk about RV life for, for you guys. I know that's how you, you guys go from tournament to tournament. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't know why we didn't do it sooner. Um, I'm, I'm a huge germaphobe, so every hotel we went to, I had to have my own sheet. I would ship sheets ahead of time and then have them clean and ship a separate sheet. I mean, it was just a disaster. So finally, and we have dogs. So we're like, why are we not driving a motor home? So we rented one for a month to try it out when we got on the Champions Tour. And we knew like the second day, this is us. This is so us. Um, and I mean, it has tons of issues. You've got to be able to just deal with it because I mean, that's a, that's a whole other story of all the crazy things that happened to us, but. We know we love it, and it's it's the way we can be with our dogs. It's the way you're not on somebody else's schedule. I don't have to worry about missing a flight. I don't have to worry about getting there two hours ahead of time, security. You know, you're in your own home. It's, we've got two bathrooms, a king-size bed, a nice big closet, TVs everywhere, washer, dryer. I mean, we have a fireplace. I mean, it's... wow. It's better than any hotel room. Um, 
Yeah, it. I mean, we love it, and we tow our. We have a, a wagoneer, a Jeep wagoneer. We tow behind it. Um. So we're everywhere we go. We're either in the Walmart. We stay. We stay at KOAs. We stay at people's houses. We park it in people's driveways. Um. But it's a fun. It's a fun life out there like that. We kind of really enjoy it, meeting new people, and you know, you got a week off. You go. From, that's how we found Highlands, North Carolina. We had a week off, and we spent a week there and fell in love with it. Um, yeah, it's just it's it's a great way to see the world instead of just you know going from hotel to hotel, airport to airport. You actually get to see everything, see the people, see tons of places. We 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 really love it. And you mentioned the issues. I, I got to imagine. It's not like owning a, a car or an SUV because it's kind of like a house on wheels. And and with a house, something always needs fixing, repaired, attended to. I'm assuming it's, it's sort of that way with the RV as well? Always something. And then when you add dogs, so our bulldog ate both our seats. So right now it's in the shop getting fixed. <laughs> so both our seats were... they. She ate both of those. She ate all the knobs off of the, like, air conditioning and the radio. <laughs> oh, my. So, I mean, that's, that's not normal stuff, but normal stuff is, you know, your your sensors aren't working or, you know, we couldn't get our slide in. So, we drove with a slide out for 60 miles or, I mean, there's so many. We could write a book on all the craziness that happens. Um but I, I would choose to do it every single week, no matter what, because it's just it's it's just a better way for us. It's not for everybody. I mean, if you want room service and if you want someone to, to you know make your bed and maid service and you know, no, it's not for you. But Mark loves driving, big key, um, and and we just have fun with it. And you're also in the real estate business. Talk about that. Well, I mean, it's actually been great because he hasn't been playing much and it's given me time to uh, work on that. Um, I I did some flips. I bought a few houses and renovated them, um, flipped them. I like to do a lot of the work myself. Um, wow. And it's just it, down here in Jupiter, in Palm Beach, we've got so many golf clubs. And if you're coming from another area and you don't know you know, you're like making a commitment when you come here because if you join a country club, they're not all really equity anymore. You're going to invest, you know, a hundred something grand. You better find the right club. So I kind of, um, you know, my background, I'm a CPA, so I'm really analytical. And I kind of just came up with a spreadsheet and it was a way to ask people what was important to them when they're looking for a country club. You know, do they have a boat? Do they need pickleball, tennis, a pool, um, kids' activities. It kind of narrows it down and gives you a little bit of an idea of what would be better for them when they come and um, decide on what kind of club they want to join. So it's it's the real estate caddy. I, I, I choose the club for you. I help you choose your club. How about that? There you go. Brenda, before I let you go, remind our listeners again, how can they stay up to date? with all that you and Mark are doing and follow you, whether it's online or it's over social media? Um, I'm pretty, I'm 
pretty active on Twitter. So uh, Brenda Kalk. And um, I, I guess I'm on Instagram. I think it goes through my Facebook. So um, uh, same thing on Instagram, Brenda Kalk. And um, yeah, that's about it. I'm 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 pretty pretty active and just try and keep people posted because I think some of the things that happen to us are, are kind of funny <laughs> and entertaining at least. Indeed. Well, Brenda, I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your night to come and be a part of the show. I hope I get the privilege of having you come back again sometime real soon. All right. You got it, Chris. Thank you for having me. You bet. Thank you, Brenda. All the best to you and Mark. All right. Thanks. Thank you. Bye. See ya. That is Brenda Kalkovecchia, at Brenda Kalk on Twitter and Instagram, and I can see why Mark said she's his funnier half. What a wonderful lady and a talent on top of that, and a personality that we could use a whole lot more of in this game. I hope this is the first time of many visits that we get to have with Brenda. Friends, I want to remind you about a couple of more of our sponsors, starting with our friends over at Two Under. Two Under Men's Performance Briefs have just released their new Spring and Summer 22 collections with fun, new, and exciting prints like the Freedom 2 and 3, Santa Fe, Tigers, Zebras, and Duckies, and their new exclusive Folds of Honor collection where they donate 20% of all Folds of Honor sales proceeds to that cause. The patented Joey Pouch technology delivers maximum comfort, fit, and performance while preventing any unwanted skin-on-skin contact or chafing. Good for anything from the golf course, to the boardroom, to the bedroom. You can find these two underperformance briefs in over 4,000 golf pro shops nationwide, all Shield sports stores, all PGA Tour superstores, Golf Galaxy, Dillard's, and other fine retailers near you. You can also order them online at twounder.com. That's the number two, U-N-D-R dot com. Two Under, performance in your pants. Use code NEXT20, that's N-X-T, T-E-E-20 for a 20% discount on the Two Under website. I also want to give a shout out to our friends over at Golf Ride. We deal with a lot on the golf course, whether you're teeing off in front of a crowd, hitting a four iron after a rain delay, trying to figure out wind direction, or second guessing club selection. It's easy for your mind to race. That's exactly what drove Golf Pride to create the all new CPX. It's made with a unique EXO diamond quilted pattern. Reducing vibration in your hands on every shot. The EX Diamond Quilted Pattern really helps your hands sink into the club on every shot, giving you maximum comfort because when your hands are comfortable, you're comfortable. CPX is available now on GolfPride.com or at your local retailer. That is Brenda Kalkovecchia, at Brenda Kalk on Twitter and Instagram. And Mark was right when he told me she's his more entertaining half. I can see why. He says that she keeps him laughing every day and that he's a lucky man. What a great lady and a personality that we need more of in this game. I hope this is the first of many visits that we are blessed with, Brenda, on the show. She's fantastic. All right, my friends, it is time for me to put a bow on this episode of Next on the Tee. My sincere thanks again to Tom Patry, Allison Fillmore, and Brenda Kalkovecchia for joining me. Scheduled to join me next week are former tour player and Golf Channel host Charlie Reimer will be back. Owner and editor of MilwaukeeSportsGeek.com, Chris Carter, will join me. The former drummer for many years and Billy Joel's band, Liberty DeVito, will be making his next On the Tee debut. Very excited to have Liberty as part of the show. 
plus the founder and CEO of Squares Golf, Bob Winskowitz, will be back with me as well. So it's going to be a great show, folks. I hope you come back and be a part of it with us. You can listen to this show as a podcast on just about every major podcasting app out there. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Acast, Google Podcasts, Audioboom, Player.fm, Podbean. Folks, if you've got a favorite podcasting app, we're probably on that one too. Just type in Next on the T on the search bar. You'll probably find us on there. Please check out our website, nextonthetea.net, to see what our upcoming guest schedule looks like. Plus, you're going to find links on there to recent episodes and individual guest segments. So whether you've got 20 minutes or two hours, we're going to have great free content on there available for you. Friends, I can't thank you all enough, again, for choosing to listen to this show again this week. I know there are a lot of great golf podcasts out there for you to choose from. I am very thankful that you continue to make Next on the Tee one of them. Until next week, hit them straight, my friends.